welcome back to Philosophize Sales, a show where we apply philosophical theories and questions to help us drive more business. My name is George Hogan. Let's get to it. So over the years, an analogy that I've been hearing more and more from sales leaders is they like to uh, they like to put forth the idea to their reps and their AEs that the reps and AEs are actually franchise owners. They're franchisees. They're running their business. The reason they do this is because it it portrays a certain level of autonomy. It uh, portrays a certain level of responsibility that the reps need to be taking on themselves, that you're not here for your base salary. You're here for your commissions. You're here to grow your business. You're here to... Um, you know, get your super accelerators. You're here to do X, Y, Z. The idea there is that we're trying to flip the script a little bit and put more of the onus on the reps. And the reason I think we've done this is because I think there's been a failure in leadership across the board. Just trying to reimagine and and build a, a different paradigm doesn't necessarily work if we're not giving the fundamentals to our reps. So part of that, and there's much talk of, is territory strategy. There's much talk of it in every sales organization. They happen when we're planning territories and assigning quotes, just like they happen every month when we're helping reps run their business. How can we view and understand our batch to squeeze as much out of it as possible? So sales leaders try a lot of things. The theory that too many sales leaders, including myself, operate on is that there's some magical perspective that we can uncover that will allow us to visualize a clear plan of attack. So some people like to say, oh, okay, well, you're a franchisee owner. Here's your batch. Uh, now you go out there and do it. And then we're going to start bifurcating and slicing and dicing your territory in a certain way. And then you're going to have this really great idea and this really clear path to goal and quota and president's club and all of that. The reality, of course, is that Nothing is that easy, and if it was that easy, we would simply deploy cold callers and mass on those accounts and let them drill the prospects until they submit to our will, or in this case, our, our contract. Now, the reality is that it's tedious work, and it takes old-fashioned grit and effort to get folks on the phone and engage. Once we have them on the phone, however, is where the real strategy needs to be employed. This is where you need sales professionals attacking each and every prospect with thoughtfulness, planning, and a premeditated strategy. So let's imagine for a moment that you have connected with one of your prospects. You're a sales rep. You connected with one of your prospects, and now it's time for a discovery call. In fact, you're looking at your calendar this morning, and you see you've got five calls today. So you go to your old war chest. You pull out your list of questions that you're going to be asking Hopefully get these guys qualified in your pipeline and ready for a demo and then on their way to close, right? You got your discovery questions ready. All right, call starts. Call number one of the day and something immediately derails you from your script, from your questions. Well, what now? Most sales professionals will actively listen, as discussed earlier with uh, uh, Eric Fromm, and they will navigate appropriately. You recover and you move on, right? Call number one, done. Now you got four more calls today. Maybe you have three tomorrow. Is it time for us to spend more effort and focus on planning for the pushback and specific reason for the prospect won't engage? And what I mean by that is if the first call got derailed by somebody saying ABC and you recovered, that's great. What if we anticipate 
what they're going to say, and we don't have to worry about recovering? What if we can just make it a smooth transition the whole way? So today, our philosophical question of the episode is this. How can we as people overcome a myriad of challenges and opposition when trying to persuade someone? This is not just about sales. This is about politics. This is about academia. This is about persuading your neighbor to help you with this or getting a group of friends to go and, you know, go camping. This is the basics of persuasion. So to answer this question, we're going to need to dive into Sun Tzu's Art of War. Now, there's a lot of discussion. Maybe Sun Tzu didn't write it. Maybe it was written by earlier people in the warring states. But either way, we're talking somewhere around the area of 770 BC to 475 BC. But the Art of War is a systematic guide to strategy and tactics for rulers and commanders. The book discusses various maneuvers and the effect of terrain on the outcome of battle. Battles, stresses the importance of information about the enemy's forces, dispositions, deployments, and movements. It's essentially summarized in the axiom, know the enemy, know yourself, and you can fight 100 battles with no danger of defeat. It also emphasizes the unpredictability of battle and use of flexible strategic uh, strategies and tactics. Now, I understand that it might seem like a stretch and perhaps counterintuitive to consider our prospects and potential clients as enemies, but there is some truth to that. Consider consider the following. Like an enemy in war, a prospect does not want to be dominating. A prospect wants to battle or negotiate. A prospect wants to win. Closer than you thought, right? Now, there are a lot of choice stanzas and sections that we can choose from in the art of war, but... If we consider the topic that we're talking about today, that being that how can we navigate unknown opposition from prospects, something kind of boils to the top. Sun Tzu says there are three main attack options in a war. The first one, I believe, is the most important for sales force, sales folks. (laughs) What is of supreme importance in war is to attack the enemy's strategy. Let me say it again. What is of supreme importance in war is to attack the enemy's strategy. This is used all the time in politics. I believe that Karl Rove did it best when he helped, as we later called it, uh, to swift boat John Kerry. If you remember, George W. Bush evaded the draft several times and in turn started a war himself, entered John Kerry as the Democratic nominee, a lieutenant in Vietnam that was shot and received a Purple Heart. So Karl Rove knew that that the war, Vietnam and, and obviously Iraq, uh, and Bush's lack of experience was a liability and that a vet like Kerry could easily call him out. So what did Rove do? He attacked the enemy's strategy, attacked that exact strategy by attacking Kerry uh, for being weak, um, for actually being in the war and getting shot. And it worked then, and it certainly works in this Trumpian timeline that we're uh, painfully working through. So let's apply this to our prospecting them. We know that a prospect has several buckets of easy-to-use roadblocks in his back pocket. They include budget and not now. That's essentially it. If you boil the majority of the objections, it lands right there. And you might be surprised that I only listed two, but in reality, they really are the two main themes of the opposition, of any objections. The budget piece can get them a long way. Maybe it doesn't align with their fiscal. Perhaps it's too expensive. They don't even know the price right yet. So is it just default too expensive? They already spent all their CapEx for the year. Whatever it is, 
we need to anticipate this strategy and attack it. But the budget strategy goes a long way. If I'm asking somebody to borrow $10 and they say, I don't have $10, I don't really have much to say. Same thing goes for the next one, right? Same thing for not now. This one is just sheer laziness, honestly. Is it inertia? Are they happy with their current solution? Are they worried about change management? Same thing here. We need to attack these buckets with questions and guidance that allow us to get through these quick blockers and identify if we have a shot this month, next month, next quarter, next year, etc. So what does it look like on a call or in the field? For budget concerns, You need to understand right away that this is almost always going to be an objection. It might be timing, it might be dollars, or it might be bandwidth. We need to picture what is going to happen on their end if they engage with us. If they like our solution, the prospects that you are trying to sell right now, they are going to need to pitch this themselves to their bosses, their C-suite, their board. Chances are, however, is that they've engaged with you at this point They're doing it in good faith. They're doing it with some sort of clear view of buying this and securing funds. After all, they know they are inserting themselves into our sales cycle. This is where you need to attack. What I generally like to do is this. Early in the call, when we're talking about... Um, talking about the solution. It could be right after the demo. It could be after discovery questions, but you need to bake in a statement and a question like this. For projects like these, we like to spend some time reviewing an ROI calculator. I generally like to do this after a demo. Does that sound like a fair plan to you? Put that in and you're going to be able to get through it. Here's another option. Aligning budget and priorities is always a challenge for our potential clients. We understand this fully and have prepared a handy toolkit for you to review and share with your team. Can I send this to you after our call? By hitting on their strategy to push and by giving them two scenarios they can't easily say no to, you set yourself up to get through that initial objection. But what about not now? This one's harder because it pulls on a lot of internal strings. So it, this one has uh, is, is harder to preempt. As I've discussed before, I caution people about using the, co- the cost of inaction tactics. They generate fear in the buyer, and that is not conducive to a firm um, and beneficial buyer-seller relationship. The best way still is to build urgency. After all, if we want to understand where deals are, we typically need to make sure uh, if the answer, uh, if we know the answer to this question, why ask why now? So this is what I would like to do. Um, to get through the not now, tell a story about a prospect or now a client that might have had similar characteristics to this prospect about where they were when you first connected with them and how they proceeded through the deal and what issues they found and, and really connected with. Make this a positive story and one that is relatable. The prospect will know what you're trying to do, but they will like hearing from their peers and what their peers are doing and how they're benefiting from it. Offer to have them connect after the call. As a salesperson, you know why someone might be inertial, right? They might just be worried about changing. They might not want to have a new implementation process. They might have hung their hat on the last product that they bought. So what you need to do is you need to paint a picture of the world as it is for the prospect who is doing it the same old way. Don't call it competitors or make it negative. Clearly explain that there is a new way 
and sometimes new ways scare people, but that you're there to guide them through when they are ready. In the end, like Sun Tzu, we're in a battle. What are we battling battling for? Dollars. There are endless amounts of vendors out there asking for the same dollars. If we want a fighting chance, we have to be smart, we have to be prepared, and we have to be ready to preempt any strategy that they might have to push us off or throw up their lazy objections. If we go right after their default posture, we're putting ourselves in a good place to speed our deals along and close more business. That's all for today, folks. If you have any questions or comments, email me at philosophizesales at gmail.com. This is George Hogan, and you've just philosophized your sales. See you next time.